Chapter 4 begins with a description of a war between Israel on one hand and the Philistines on the other. Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. In the book of Shmuel, the great enemy of the Jewish people are the Philistines. And here we have a war between the Israelites and the Philistines. This particular battle, the initiative seems to be taken by Israel. And this battle ends up in a disaster. In the second verse, Israel was routed by the Philistines. And they lost... Uh, 4,000 men. And they come back to the camp. In verse number 3, The elders say, How is it that God has caused us to lose the battle before the Philistines? Let us go to Shiloh, bring out the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant of God. It will be in our midst, and it will save us from our enemy. I would say here at the outset that the elders, the Zikanim, the last time we had the Zikanim, it was the advice they gave at the end of the previous book, the last chapter of the previous book, the lead-in story to the book of Samuel, where they suggested to the Benjaminites and to the Israelites, that the Israelites, uh, Israelite daughters who will be dancing in the vineyards at the time of the grape festival, and the Benjaminites are told that they will go and kidnap uh, these women, and this way the Israelites will be absolved from their oath because they didn't give their daughters to the Benjaminites, they had sworn not to give their daughters to the Benjaminites, but rather the Benjaminites took them. So we didn't violate the oath. That's the end of the book of Judges, which ends with the words, in those days there was no king. People did whatever pleased them. And once again, we have the elders giving advice, and we can question the advice. The advice certainly is bad advice. But the question is, what lies behind the advice? Why is it that if we bring the Ark of God from Shiloh, the Ark of the Covenant, God will save us. Now we already know about Shiloh, the corruption of Shiloh, and we've been told both in chapter 2 and chapter 3 that Shiloh must be destroyed. It's a place of utter corruption. But somehow bringing the Ark from Shiloh will save us in war, will assure us victory. And in fact, we are told when the Ark is brought from Shiloh, um, in verse number uh, 4, They bring the ark. And who's accompanying the ark? Chofni and Pinchas, the very two priests who are called Bliyal, the insolent, arrogant, corrupt scoundrels. They carry the ark, but somehow the elders feel and the people assent, this will guarantee victory. Why will it guarantee victory? So there are two possibilities. 
two ways to understand the thinking of the elders. One is that they attach to the ark some kind of magical power. They see the ark not as simply a representation of God's presence, but rather having its own power. In that sense, one might say that the ark is a kind of idolatrous vessel. Because when you attach to something which is a means to an end and give it the importance of the end itself, that's the mark of idolatry. And that's one way to understand it. They believe the ark has magical powers. And in fact, uh, the chapter 4 describes what the Philistines are saying and thinking when they recognize that the ark has come into the battle. They seem to have a very similar, very parallel way of, 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 of understanding. Vayiru plishtim, in verse number 7, ha-plishtim ki amru, bo Elohim el ha-machaneh. The Philistines were frightened. God has come into the camp. Vayomru oilanu, ki lo haita kazot et moshoshom. They presume that if the ark has come into battle, that God has come into battle. They don't distinguish those two. So it's interesting that the book gives us the perspective of the Philistines, perhaps to make the point that the perspective of the Philistines in this chapter and the perspective of the Israelites in this chapter is identical. So that's one way to understand the bringing of the ark into battle. But there is another way to understand the bringing of the ark into battle, which is a little bit different, and that is to make an assumption that if we bring the ark into battle, we can't lose the battle because God would not allow us to lose the battle. Because if God allows us to lose the battle, it would appear <coughs> that, that God has lost the battle. We're going to put God in a situation where God has to give us victory. Otherwise, it would be a desecration of God's name. That, of course, is a very dangerous way of thinking, and especially in this particular book, in Shmuel, because only God makes determinations about what God will or will not do. You can't control what God will do. And in point of fact, you can't control where the ark will go. Their assumption is they will certainly win because God would not allow us to lose. But in point of fact, they do lose the battle, not only do they lose the battle, but they also lose the ark. The ark is captured by the Philistines, and what's interesting is here too, the Philistines assume that in defeating Israel and capturing the ark, they have defeated not only Israel, but have defeated God as well, and that's very clear from chapter 5. In chapter 5 it says, Uplishtim lochu etaron Elohim, they took this ark, they brought it to Ashdod, Ashdod being one of the Philistine cities. So the Philistines took the ark and they placed it besides Dagon. Dagon is a god of the Philistines. Perhaps it's related to the word Dagon, which means wheat or essentially food the God who provides food, that's a possibility, but whatever it is, it's a God of the Philistines, and by placing the ark before the God of the Philistines, what the Philistines are saying, in effect, is we have defeated not only Israel, 
we also have defeated the God of Israel. So these are two possibilities as to what the Israelites are thinking, the elders, when they say, let's bring the ark into the battle, this will assure us of victory. And of course, it does nothing of the sort, because God is not present in the battle, quite the opposite. We were told already in chapter 2 that God has it out for Shiloh, and in particular, Chafi and Pinchas, the corrupt priests. And in point of fact, what happens in chapter 4, in our chapter, is that the ark is captured, Israel loses the battle, Chafi and Pinchas die as well. The death of Chafi and Pinchas is reported in chapter 4, and in fact, reported to the town, but also reported to Ewi the priest. Ewi the priest is described at the end of chapter 4 as being very old. Ewi cannot see. Ewi is blind. The blindness of Ewi is not just a physical blindness, but the blindness of Ewi represents, in this case, a lack of perception, a lack of understanding. In point of fact, Ewi did uh, reprimand his children. The prophet said in chapter 2, you did not reprimand your children. He reprimands his children, but in a very gentle way. I'm hearing not nice things, he said to his children. That's not the way to reprimand the scoundrels who are corrupting the entire institution of the priesthood. There's a sweetness to Ewi, but there's a lack of understanding when it comes to Ewi. He's very old, and somebody comes from the battlefield and reports to Ailey and says to Ailey, Ailey says, what has happened? And in verse 17, the Mivaser, the bearer of the news, says, Nas Yisrael if Neplishtim, Israel has run away from the Philistines, there was a terrible defeat. Your two sons have died. Chafdi and Pinchas. And the Ark of God has been taken. When he hears that the Ark of God was taken, he, fall, he falls off his chair, off his seat. Maybe some kind of honorary seat demonstrating he is the high priest. He falls backwards. So the death of Eli is recorded, and it's interesting, upon hearing the capture of the ark. Not so much the death of his sons, not the loss of the war, of the death of many Israelites. The ark has been captured. He's very concerned about the ark. On one hand, that's a positive. He feels deeply connected to God. On the other hand, one can question whether the connection to the ark itself is not problematic. We have seen that the Israelites think that if the ark is in the battle, God is in the battle. They attach a certain significance to the Aaron. But the significance attached to the Aaron in the case of the Israelites is problematic, and one I think can question whether Ewi's attachment to the Ark, to the symbols of God's presence, is that also problematic? 
Not that he's not a saintly man, that he doesn't care deeply about the honor of God. But the particular attachment to the ark in the context and the larger context is problematic in my view. On the other hand, it's interesting that the text emphasizes he fell backwards, he died, for he was very old. He was heavy and old. Why does the text emphasize he's old? Because in chapter 2, the curse of the house of Eli is the priests of Eli, the house of Eli, will die young. So here the text says, that's not true of Eli. Eli doesn't die young. Eli's different. Eli is well-intentioned, one might say even holy. He's not like the rest of them. So he is, yes, he does die in the story, but it's a different kind of death. Ish. Eli was well-intentioned, even saintly. But he doesn't know how to administer the priests. The house of Eli is hopelessly lost. The saintly Eli dies, not like the others, who will die young, but rather, Zakena Ish he dies in ripe old age.